You're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership. Hello everyone and welcome to part two of From the Hack's 2021 Briar Preview. As we've done for each of the past five Briar Previews, I've interviewed players from 10 different teams that will be in Calgary vying for a Briar title. In part two of our preview, we interview 2014 Olympic gold medalist Brad Jacobs, then we chat with Reed Carruthers, the third for wildcard team McCune, followed by Greg Smith, skip of Team Newfoundland and Labrador. Then it's four-time world and four-time Briar champion Glenn Howard, and we end this year's Briar preview with Brendan Botcher, who has led his team to the final in the last three Briars. My first guest is 2014 Olympic gold medalist Brad Jacobs, who won the Briar in 2013 and is looking to add a second Briar title to his resume in Calgary. So, Brad, I have a couple of introspective questions to start off. Uh, I haven't interviewed you since the championship pool at last year's Briar. How have you been and how did you cope with the pandemic? We've been staying safe. We've been staying healthy. Um, family's doing really well. Uh, <clears throat> I've been keeping myself uh myself very busy with my business and I mean I don't really have a whole lot to uh to complain about quite frankly it's been uh it's you were, we're very lucky Frank being in uh, northern Ontario and Sault Ste. Marie uh for a very long time there um we had very little or or next to no even sometimes we had zero COVID cases here in Sault Ste. Marie I bet you at one point in time, <clears throat> Sault Ste. Marie was probably one of the safest places to live in the world, it seemed. Now, over Christmas time, it was a little bit of a different story. We did have uh, some cases pop up a lot more than usual, but um, been pretty lucky here in the Sioux, and, and uh, life's good. I know that a lot of curlers struggle with not having any curling this season, and even for your team, Brad, I'm assuming the uncertainty of it all must have been difficult, whether events were a go or they would be canceled, would there be provincials, etc. That can't be easy on a veteran team like yours. Yeah, the toughest time I would say for our team was that sort of September, October, November uh, part of the year, where, yeah, there was just a ton of uncertainty, and yes, we did go down to an event that on the you know playoff Sunday got canceled and uh, we only played two events. That was, that was a, a little bit of a roller coaster ride emotionally because you, you'd get excited to be able to travel and go play. And then, um, you know, something would happen that would, you know, throw a loop into things. And uh, it was, like I said, it was, it was a little bit up and down emotionally for all of us. Um, but what we really just tried to focus on was, Let's not get too excited. Let's not get too high. Let's not get too low. Let's uh, sort of do our best to stay in the moment and deal with things as they as they come, and uh, and just try to try to be try, try to live in the present, man. And um, so we've done a. I'd say we've done a pretty good job of that. You know, having said all that, though, <clears throat> um, after Christmas and when January rolled around and we started to really get wind of the, the briar, the bubble and all the events that were going to be available to us, you know, we've got pretty excited for that. And we've been, uh, we've been communicating on a regular basis, uh, you know, not only as a, as just the four of us, but with our, with our team, you know, coach, uh, sports psychologist, we got Lee Toner coming with us to the briar. So it's been re- a really uh, sort of fun couple of months here, leading up to the bubble and we're all really excited to just uh get out there and play i know that i I said to my trainer today tyler um he keeps asking me how i'm feeling how you feeling how's your body feeling and you know just better and better feeling really good i said i'm just now i'm just anxious kind of want to get out there and get on the plane and and get into that bubble and hit the ice and um you know leave it all out there as you were mentioning, Brad, uh, life did not change much for you during the pandemic necessarily, and you and the Harnden brothers have been able to throw a bunch of rocks. So do you think that will be an advantage early in the briar, or do you think the other teams will be able to shake off any rust rather quickly once they get on the ice in Calgary for a couple of practices? It's a good question, Frank. I really don't know the answer. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if, okay, you know, we've had, we've had opportunities to practice, yes, 
Um, but keep in mind, like when we did have opportunities to practice and, and our ice maker, Ian Fisher has been fantastic, you know, helping us. And we've gotten some approvals to, to be able to use the curling club and we're locked in and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, when we go out and we practice it, it was like 27 Fahrenheit in the curling club. It was freezing. You could really only be out there so long before your toes and your fingers were, were feeling almost numb and it was time to call it a day. Uh, so we did have an opportunity to get on the ice a little bit. Um, I think, I think more of an advantage would be that we've had, uh, access to, uh, training facilities to be able to exercise and work out and keep our bodies, um, I'd say in tip top shape. Uh, you know, we've, we've, our mindset throughout this whole thing is let's just make sure we're ready. Let's stay ready at all times because you never know if, you know, an event will all of a sudden be able to pop up and, and I mean, heck, you know, we're, we're, we like to treat ourselves and, and call ourselves world-class athletes. So we have to act like it. And we've been trying to do that as best as we can. And so I don't really know if we're going to have an advantage or not. I think all teams are going to be shaking some of the rust off. It'll be kind of interesting to see what the first few games are like at the Briar. I uh, might see some more missed shots than usual, especially as teams are getting used to the ice, but that'll be interesting. And, and I think maybe uh, fun for the fans to watch, but I'm sure that uh, everyone will shake that rust off pretty quickly. And, and we'll get into some world-class play, uh, you know, relatively soon once we hit the ice and everybody feels comfortable. So Brad, you and your team are typically very structured when you head to events like the Briar. Uh, you usually work on your technical stuff, your releases, etc. in the lead up to the big events. And when you get to the event itself, the focus usually turns to the ice and getting used to your surroundings. Is the lack of games this year and the fact you haven't been around Mark much going to force you to tweak your process a little bit in the lead up to the national championship, which is obviously not ideal? Yeah, so we, we tried to get out ahead of all that stuff. We've been doing as much planning as we can. Um, you know, I think we have... Uh, sort of the best staff in the world helping us out with with all this stuff and Rick and Arthur and and now with Lee there but we do we've we've been planning for um, weeks now uh, leading into this sort of uh, I don't want to say a whole lot but you know just getting our game plan kind of down on paper uh, getting our uh, our schedule and scheduling and planning our days uh, getting that all figured out and we're, we're right there now. Um, so, uh, we're trying to do our best to anticipate what it's going to be like, you know, life in the bubble as well as, uh, you know, how we want to approach these games and just trying to get into the right frame of mind. So, um, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. And even, uh, even on the practicing stuff, even though we haven't been able to practice quite as much as we would have liked to, and keep in mind, like, you know, we're in our mid to late thirties now and yes, we, we practice, but we don't practice five and six and seven days a week. Like we used to three or four days a week we find is uh, is a lot more effective at this point in our careers. So, uh, but we go into every practice with a great plan and that's uh, you know, that that's a testament to, to Rick Lang and all the help that he's providing um, our team as coach. So, uh, you know, we've been practicing and, and even though we can't get together with Mark, you know, we've been in contact with him quite a bit and, and Ryan and EJ and myself have been trying to get on, get out on the ice together as much as possible as a, you know, the three of us and at that worst case, two of us. And I'm really liking what I'm seeing from my end in terms of, uh, you know, those guys and how they're throwing the rock. So, yeah, we're hungry. We're hungry to get out there and compete and uh, and see, you know, the other thing, too, Frank, just real quick is uh, everyone's going to be everyone should be going into this thing quite rested. <laughs> everyone will be quite, quite rested and uh, be able to, you know, because usually we'd be going into a briar and you, you could have oof, 10, 12 uh, eight, 10, 12 events under your belt before. And it's been a long season. Now we're all going into this briar jacked up, excited. It's kind of like the first event of the year. Uh, it's going to feel like that anyways, even though it's not. And everybody's rested going into this thing. So we'll be pouring, you know, a ton of energy, you know, getting exuding a ton of energy and effort out there. It should be, uh, it should be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of intensity too. It's too bad the fans aren't gonna aren't allowed to to watch in the arena, but I know I'm sure that the TV numbers will be probably bigger than they've ever been. 
Brad, your team has always thrived on the energy of the crowd when playing big events like the Briar. There's going to be no fans inside the arena this time around. Will that potentially impact a team like yours and force you to find that extra energy somewhere else as the week moves along? Yeah, no, we've talked about it. And, um, you know, the best way I can say it is it's it's certainly going to be different. Yes, do we thrive off the crowd? Certainly, especially when we have them on our side. And you know what? Sometimes when you don't have them on on your side, that's a lot of fun too. And we've been in both situations. Um, but uh, it's always fun to play spoiler. But certainly when you have them on your side, it's a lot of fun because the fans can help carry you through games and through events and into finals and maybe even to championships. And we've obviously, you see that across uh, sport in general. But uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be certainly a different environment. I think we're going to have to try to manufacture our own sort of excitement within just ourselves and uh you know we we want to go there and win this thing whether there's fans there or not um we don't really want to uh change up how we play based on whether there's uh, bums in the seats or not and uh, we want to bring that same sort of intensity as if there was you know fifteen thousand people in an arena uh, that we want to bring that same sort of intensity as uh as if there was zero or if you're playing in a curling club it shouldn't really matter so uh we're going to do our best to uh bring out some excitement in each other and and um you know do what we do best and uh you know just uh make sure we let each other know how bad each of us wants to uh to win this thing and finally, Brad, each member of your team has tasted success at the Olympics and also at the Briar. Yet over the past several years, your team has been unable to get over the hump and win that second Briar, despite playing exceptionally well in a round-robin most years. What is it going to take this year to get your team over that hump and earn that second Briar title? Yeah, um, we've talked about that. You know, that has uh, certainly been a discussion and we're well aware of it. We haven't, uh, we've, we've been very consistent in uh, the Briars over the last however many years, but uh, we haven't been able to break through and, and, and hoist the trophy um, in in a long time. And that's on our minds. Uh, you know, the window is closing. It's um, you know, we're not getting any younger. Uh, are we in our prime? I don't know. It, apparently this is supposed to be the prime years, as they say, I think that that's changing and getting younger and younger all the time. But uh, certainly we want to be playing with as much urgency and, and almost, I would say, a state of emergency here because we're not getting any younger. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we pour our heart and soul into this thing like everyone else. And, um, you know, that, that, that gap is closing. So certainly we'll be playing with as much urgency as possible. And uh, at the same time, though, Frank, you know what? We don't want to put too much pressure on ourselves. Uh, we do want to go there and win this thing don't get me wrong and and we feel like we need to uh but we don't want to put too much pressure on ourselves um because obviously things could go the other way so we're gonna go there man we're gonna play hard we're gonna we're gonna try to stay in the moment enjoy every minute of being out there and competing with one another and uh just do everything we can to to leave it all out there and, and put on a performance and and put as much you know effort into this thing as we possibly can so that we can at least look in the mirror and look at each other and say hey you know what we gave it all we had and uh we should be proud and, and last year's briar we did that and even though we came fourth and i've said this many times um you know i was so proud of our effort at that last at last year's briar when we started off one and three and went through two tiebreakers and sure we didn't win that semifinal or that three four game against uh against Brad gushu but to just make it that far and to see um, really go through that and really prove to ourselves kind of what we're made of was, uh, was pretty cool. Even not winning kind of felt like we had won with how far we had pushed ourselves. I mean, we were pretty, pretty messed up physically, mentally, emotionally on that, uh, on that Saturday when we played those three games and uh, Hey, you know, it's something we can draw from, learn from, look back on, be proud of. And hopefully we can use that experience uh, to our advantage in this briar. My next guest is Reed Carruthers, the third for wildcard team McCune, whose team had a solid second season together last year and who won the last event they played in in late 2020 before the remaining World Curling Tour schedule was cancelled. 
Reed, I've been starting these interviews with a couple of more introspective questions. First and foremost, how are you doing and how have you been coping during the pandemic? Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm really excited to get back to curling. You know, we've only played one bomb spiel this year, which was, you know, I, I can't remember. It's probably the first first year since I was 15 or 14 when I started curling that I've played so little uh, curling in practice, as little as I have. But um, we were fortunate the last two weeks we've been able to throw a rock, so I'm starting to get excited about uh, heading to the briar. But the, the biggest and the, the most important thing is, you know, the pandemic's been horrible. Um, and we've had many people lose lives and, and many people have to work in, in pretty rough situations. Uh, you know, I feel bad for the healthcare workers. Um, I've been very blessed. Uh, you know, my, my family has stayed safe um, and as well as uh, my friends. I haven't had anyone contract COVID. So um, I'm doing well overall. What did you learn about Reed Carruthers during the pandemic that may have surprised you? Oh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's I may not have learned something about myself, but I've I've really I've really taken this time to almost have like a mental reset. Um, the grind of competition, um, you know, when you're practicing, you're playing for eight nine months of the year, year after year. You know, it's hard on the body, hard on the mind. Um, and, you know, it's hard from a family life perspective. I'm not around my uh, my wife and my dog all that much and my close family members. So I just really, I guess I've become more appreciative of all the things that, that I have in my everyday life uh, more than, than ever. Um, and it's going to be tough being in the bubble, being away for three weeks in a row um, when I go just because I've, you know, been, been home with uh, my family every single day since uh, November. Now, Reed, you and uh, Mike, I believe, in particular, have been throwing rocks uh, together over the past a week or two. I know it's not a typical season. I know you haven't thrown as many rocks heading into the bar as you would like, but it had to feel good to get out there and throw some rocks before heading into the uh, bubble in Calgary. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, Mike, Mike and I were actually throwing uh, together. We have a little bit of a logistic issue. Um, Colin lives in northern Ontario. Um, and then Derek lives about an hour 45 away from Winnipeg. So we weren't, we weren't able to all throw together, but Mike and I met at uh, the Granite Club in Winnipeg and got to throw rocks together. And you could see our progression even from last week to this week. I, I feel like, you know, as far as two weeks of practice is gone, uh, I feel, I feel pretty comfortable heading out and throwing my first practice rock, which I believe is scheduled for this upcoming Thursday. Reed, one of the things I've noticed in speaking with different players headed to the Briars, how eager all of you are to hit the ice, which is totally understandable after the type of season it's been. Is there a risk that teams might end up being too eager early on in uh, in the tournament, leading them to make mistakes that could potentially cost them near the end of the round robin or even in the championship pool? Uh, yes, yes and no, I guess. I, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of feel like we approach every briar the same way like last year we we're heading into the briar and you can't really look too far ahead other than your one game like last year i was saying oh man this is the toughest briar field ever um you know and i've been fortunate to play in a few and then i'm looking at the field this year and now you got 18 teams uh and the two teams that got added as extra cts high-ranked teams um this field is nuts so for us, uh, you know, we're we're going to have to stay patient and play play our game. You know, we had a good run in uh, Kingston, but uh, we lost a couple close ones, and hopefully, we can we can win those tight ones and make ourselves uh, into that final on Sunday. Now, Reed, there was a lot of talk uh, heading into the Scotties about what impact uh, the lack of fans in the arena would have on teams and the fact that it would be so quiet in the arena. It didn't seem to have much impact on the Scotties at all. I'm just uh, guessing that it shouldn't have any impact on the men's event at all either. Uh, I mean, apart from the fact that there won't be people cheering on the uh, exciting shots that we typically see at an event like the, like the, um, like the Briar. I think, yeah, I think the, the crowd is, is a great way to... Um, give yourself a little mental break when you're in uh, those tight situations in those big games. Uh, you know, I might be, instead of relying on, on uh, you know, peering around the crowd once in a while, um, you know, I got my, my dog Jake is a cardboard cutout, so I might be checking out him once in a while. 
but yeah, you might find yourself, you know, uh, mentally uh, needing that little reset and maybe watching another game. It's interesting here, like as we're talking, I'm, I'm watching Jen play Lore, and it's almost like a final situation, right? Because there's no other games, there's no crowd, there's no nothing, so it's it's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's gonna it's gonna be tough for some players, I think, right out of the gate. But to be totally honest, like any of the really big games that I've played in, you don't really remember, you know, the crowd all that much, especially when you're really focused. Like when you're in that zone of making that big shot, you know, you're you really don't hear the crowd noise. So, so I don't know how different it'll be. I'll, I'll have to reassess maybe after day one. But uh, you know the you don't have that mental, that little mental escape. You'll have to look di- at different ways of maybe managing that. Reed, I'm curious to know how your team has prepared mentally for the change in routine at this year's Briar, where you will be confined to your room uh, most of the time when you're not playing. You know, I'm lucky. The, the guys that I play with, we, we spend a lot of time analyzing a lot of the things off ice, on ice. Uh, we don't miss too many of the details, and that's one of the topics that we've we've had uh quite a few discussions on and and yeah like I'm I can't say I'm looking forward to being in the bubble per se and you know being in my locked into my hotel room but you know I'll be spending a lot of time out on the balcony just to like hear the cars go by and maybe even if I'm lucky see people walk by a couple hundred meters away and be able to hear them talk like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit different uh, but you know hopefully with some of the technology that we have now with Zoom and, and things like that, I'll be able to connect with uh, friends and family and, and still have my normal style interaction. Now, what I've been hearing from a few players is that they believe this briar will be won between the ears and that the teams that are the most mentally resilient will have the best chance of winning. Are you seeing it the same way? Yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, maybe you could maybe almost rival this setting to almost like what uh, being in the trials is like. The, the trials is probably the biggest mental, you know, test that, that any any of the top athletes will face. But then this scenario uh, is a little bit different, but it's probably going to take the same amount of, uh, of mental strength to, to uh, prevail in, uh, in this bubble setup. And finally, Reed, what is it going to take from your team at this year's Briar, not only to make the championship pool, but to make a run at the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think it's bringing some of the same mojo that we brought to Penticton. Um, you know, we were we hadn't played in the event. It was already November, and we were just excited to get out there and compete. Um, it's going to be tough being away from our our uh, our family as we've been so close. Uh, you know, for the last three four months, really haven't left home. So, you know, it's going to be tough to be away from friends and family. But we have to we have to you know really stay. Um, stay together as a unit and just really enjoy being with each other on and off the ice and uh, good things can happen for this team next on part two of the briar preview we have skip greg smith of newfoundland and labrador who will be making his second briar appearance in calgary having first competed at the 2018 briar in regina now greg it's been a strange difficult year for everyone in canada and around the world uh, for that matter with most of us in lockdown and otherwise limited in what we can do outside of our homes. And right in the middle of all of that, Greg, you ran for city council in St. John's, Newfoundland. Now, usually elections uh, are all about meeting people, shaking hands, kissing babies. So tell me what it was like running for public office when none of that was feasible and we were in the middle of a pandemic. No, exactly. It was fantastic. I ran for uh, Ward 2, the ward I live in, in St. John's for uh, city council. And uh, it was a by-election, so um, there's actually a general this summer uh, for all of the wards and, you know, mayor, deputy, and at large. Um, But no, you're right. So it had some uh, unique circumstances because of COVID. Now, mind you, the cases here, you know, we've done, you know, a similar job to New Zealand and Australia until this most recent outbreak. We've had incredibly low case counts and lived pretty much a normal uh, a normal life so you know during this uh, the election was called in august and the, the by-election was in october so yeah so for the first half of it we couldn't knock on doors we could only do like drops for some flyers 
you know, we couldn't really do many big fundraising events or uh, socials or town halls. A lot of it had to be done virtually. And then afterwards, um, there was actually a provincial by-election where the premier was trying to get his seat. Um, some of the rules started changing then, uh, you know, and I think it became inevitable that we would might be having a provincial election during COVID. So they said, you know, we can do door-to-door campaigning as long as, you know, um, social distance is maintained and you wear a mask. So we started doing stuff like that, and we were able to do a couple of little fundraisers at the end. It was awesome. Uh, I've always wanted to get into politics, and, uh, you know, city council is the first stepping stone towards provincial politics for me. Plus, it allows me to still, you know, curl um, you know, at a decently high level. So the goal is, you know, I'm going to run again now for the uh, municipal election. I don't know if I'll run in War Two or if I'll run at large, uh, but I'll run this summer. And uh, hopefully I'll uh, I'll get a seat on council and uh, really, you know, reflect the issues of people my age and give a different perspective. Uh, and I think, you know, I think it's easy to tell I love this city and I'd love to see it grow and see it flourish. So getting on city council would be great. And, uh, you know, even if I don't get elected this summer, which well, I'll be doing everything in my power to do so, I'll be certainly running again. It's uh, not just a one and done kind of deal. Introspective question that I've been asking everybody that I've interviewed for both the Scotties and the Briar Gregan. That's what did you learn about Greg Smith during the pandemic that may have surprised you? I learned about myself that I needed to... I, I I need to take initiative more. I find I think all of us were lacking inspiration and motivation to do whatever it was, whether it was to lose weight or to read a book or whatever. But with all that time on, you know, on our hands, uh, you know, I just realized, you know, Greg, I'm not that organized. I'm not that disciplined in that sense. So I just said, you know, I just have to start doing it. So, you know, I made sure that, uh, you know, I, I got more fit since my last appearance of the Briar. But, uh, you know, I, I made sure that I was running more. I made sure that I was eating a bit better. I was reading more and um, stuff. And, you know, I'll, also like taking advantage of any resources I had for mindfulness and meditation, stuff like that. So, you know, I think that I realized that I kind of need those need those things and I also need to give myself a kick in the ass to to do it but um, you know I think that's kind of a lot that I learned is that I'm not as disciplined as 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 I want to hope that I am I have to kind of force myself to do things but once I do it I'm good with Curling Canada's new birthright rule now in place, it did not take long after Team Gushu had won the Briar last March, Greg, that players from different provinces but born in Newfoundland and Labrador started announcing their intention of competing at this year's provincials in Newfoundland, to a point that the provincial association had to step in to amend its rules. It must have been frustrating for you to hear all these stories about teams planning to enter the Newfoundland-Labrador playdowns before the association stepped in. Yeah, so... You know, I, I knew when it was all when it was all coming down the line that stuff like that was being talked about and thrown around. And I heard a couple team rumors, and I guess you know, on the ladies and the men's side, that you know now didn't happen because of COVID. But um, you know, I I understand the rule in a theory, but I don't like the implementation of it. Like, I don't. I think what Newfoundland and Labrador Curling Association came to. Uh, you know, came to at the end was two players that live in Newfoundland and Labrador and two players that live uh, away that have the birthright. And I think that's totally reasonable. I mean, the three and the one and all of that um, here, you know, the, the level of competition that we have here compared to, let's say, if you wanted to bring a whole team in minus one or whatever from a different province is not really fair. I mean, if you lived in you know, Ontario or Alberta or Manitoba, and three of you were born somewhere in Newfoundland and you're, you know, an elite team on the tour and then your lead or whatever position is is some really good curler back in St. John's. It's a it's not fair to the, the teams that play in St. John's or play in Newfoundland and Labrador. 
So I think the two and two makes sense. So at least then half of your team is living where you're trying to represent whether you were born there. You know, half the team is is living there. So I think they came to the right uh, conclusion on it. And I, you know, I know, you know, might get people might be mad at that and whatever, but I think it's quite reasonable. So, Greg, I have to take you back to the provincial final in Newfoundland and Labrador. You were facing uh, Colin Thomas in that final. And in the 10th end, your opponent, Colin, had an open draw anywhere in the paint to win the provincial championship. And he threw it right through the house. Now, you stole a point in the next end for the win. And you earned the right to represent Newfoundland and Labrador at the Briar. And I'm sure you were ecstatic. Anyone would have been. But I've got to ask you, you had to have at least a little bit of empathy for Colin having missed a shot, that easy of a shot, to uh, to win the provincial championships and to qualify for his first briar. As I was, <laughs> it's, it, it, was a, it was absolutely crazy to, to be in that moment. Uh, but uh, me, me and Greg, you know, I had a hit then to try to roll in because uh, it was tough to freeze to it out in the wings there. So I rolled out, and I was like, oh, it's over. And now in hindsight, I guess I'm glad I rolled out because there would have been backing. Um, so, um, you know, it was it was crazy. I mean, when he released the stone, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a good bit of weight coming down. And, uh, you know, as it was coming past the hog line, I was just there, and I was like, if this gets into the slide path, you know, I'll be darned. And it it got into the slide path in the back four, and then you know was out by about two inches. The worst part is that you don't get to sweep it because of the you know modified rules that we were playing with. So I was there, and I was like, if I don't get to sweep this, and it stops, you know, in the back back edge, you know that'll that'll be terrible. But you know it's it's hard to see, and I have a ton of respect, and I'm friends with those guys. It's hard to see somebody and a team like that who are talented and who are good to lose in that manner. But as a competitor yourself and wanting to get back and all of that, you know, it's that, that moment and that sympathy and that empathy is there hundred percent. And, you know, you have a drink with these guys and, you know, you, you talk about it later, but you know, you want to win. So as soon as that happened, it wasn't about, okay, woe was me. We got so lucky. It was, and we did. It's about, okay, how do we make the 12th end, which you don't get to say often, as good as you can for us? So, you know, we played it exceptionally. And then, you know, he really, I don't, he barely had a shot on his last one. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to lose that way. It's hard to win that way. But, um, you know, there was a lot of times in that game where we thought that, you know, it was going our way. And then a couple of times where we had some unfortunate breaks. So, you know, it all comes full circle and uh, you don't like it that way in that exact manner, but you're going to take it. So, uh, Greg, Team Gushu has been dominant for the better part of two decades now in Newfoundland and Labrador. And there may have been a light at the end of the tunnel with uh, with uh, Brad uh, entering his early 40s. Who knows how much longer he's going to play at the elite level. So I'm assuming that you and other teams at Newfoundland and Labrador probably thought there was going to be a window of time there where you'd get to compete for provincial championships at uh, the provincials every year without necessarily having any elite top 10 in the country type teams to compete against. Now, all of a sudden, there is a young crop of junior curlers in Newfoundland and Labrador making waves at the junior level, with some of them having what people believe to be top-end potential, perhaps to approach a level where Brad uh, has been playing, not necessarily fresh out of juniors, but that they can approach that level eventually as they move forward in their career. Is there a part of you that's concerned that you may end up missing your window and that when, by the time that Brad retires, he might be replaced by a young crop? of curlers who will step into his shoes i was hoping i was jeepers i was hoping i was still in the young crowd i'm only four years older than those guys I, I think you know i have full intentions and to to really get back there as many times as as possible and i know there's a ton of talent coming up behind us and you know there's 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 an immense amount but it's you know they're I'm going to work my, you know, what off to make sure that this isn't my last briar and that I'm going to be there at a few more. So, you know, obviously the goal for me and the goal for my team and even in the future 
if it's a different lineup in a couple of years is I, you know, I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be traveling more than any other team in the province than Guzhou. And we've done it a couple of years and uh, we're just going to give ourselves all the right ingredients to, to make sure that when, you know, his time is, is done or every time he's at a, you know, Briar's team Canada, that we are going to have the best chance at representing the province. So, you know, as, as grateful as I am that I'm, that I'm back, I hope to be at many more and, uh, and not, not by just doing the same things, but by doing more. So hopefully, you know, we, we're going to go and we're going to turn some heads. We're going to play well. And next season, hopefully we, you know, God willing, we get a somewhat normal season within the country and we get to go to a few spiels up away and play some better teams and um, bring that back to the rock and see what we can do. But uh, no, there's a ton of talent behind us, but uh, I got a pretty good work ethic. So we'll see if that pays dividends. <laughs> And finally, Greg, as you mentioned earlier, you've been able to play and throw more rocks than just about any team headed to the Briar. Do you think that will be an advantage for your team, at least in the early stages of the round robin in Calgary, when other higher-ranked teams might still be shaking off the rust? Oh, 100%. So, I, you know, the, the first thing is, you know, these teams, these elite teams that haven't really had much access to the A's because of the rules within their, their provinces, you know, they're, they're talents, you know, they are, you know, elite level athletes. And I, I have no doubt in my mind that it's going to come natural as soon as they step on the ice uh, for practice. But with that being said, um, for us, we have such a level of comfort with how we're throwing the stone, with how we're calling the game, with our dynamics, with all of that, that we're not going to be going to practice trying to get the kinks out. We're going to be going to practice trying to learn as much as we can from the ice, from the rocks uh, in a quick amount of time. And I think that's going to be a huge advantage, especially uh, early in the schedule. So, you know, a couple of the teams we play early uh, in, in pool play aren't, um, from what I gather, don't have access to ice. So getting them early is going to be good because by the end of the week, they're going to be back to their full normal selves. I have no doubt. So, you know, I think, you know, the goal for us is to, to play as well as we can. We looked at the schedule. We looked at the games. And, uh, you know, there's no reason why we can't uh, upset a you know, really good team and maybe even two of them. You know, we're playing well enough here. We've had a, you know, a decent season. And uh, it took until January 5th for us to actually finalize our team for provincials. So we're, we're, peaking, <laughs> we're peaking late, but that's when you need to. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's going to be good and uh, there is certainly an advantage to it, but it's only going to, it's only going to hold for, I'd say the first, first half of the event. I think the second half, you know, the, the Jacobs, the Cooies, they're going to be back to their full capacity. My next guest is a familiar face to all curling fans, four-time world and four-time Briar champion Glenn Howard, who is recovering from an injury and will see limited playing time in Calgary with longtime teammate Wayne Madaw stepping in for him at Skip. And Glenn, it recently became uh, public that uh, you were involved in a snowmobiling accident a while back that is going to impact your team at the Briar. For those who have not heard, can you share what happened and how you're feeling? Yeah, basically, uh, just a little while ago, um, I was out snowmobiling with my son, Scott, and uh, unfortunately, um, I came around a corner, and, and like I tell everybody, this tree jumped out into the middle of the trail, and I couldn't avoid it, and, and ran into a tree with a snowmobile, and uh, I did, did, my, did a bit of a number on myself. I broke a bunch of ribs, and, um, which wasn't great, um, and I'm on the mend right now. Unfortunately, I, I haven't been able to, uh, to practice at all until literally yesterday, so... Uh, I, I kind of, when I had it, I knew, I knew I was going to be able to play. Uh, I, I knew I was going to be ready, you know, for the, the beginning of the briar, but I, you know, how ready am I going to be? Am I fully prepared? Not, not even close. But uh, so that, that brought us to the next point where we're going to bring in uh, Mr. Mada, Mr. Wayne Mada, and to, to help play. And uh, yeah, I, I think who knows, I, I, I might be able to play a little bit. Uh, I'm definitely not playing a lot. Um, and the bottom line is, is how prepared am I going to be literally you know, a week out just, I hadn't thrown a rock in three months and uh, you know, it's in my knees a little sore because of that. Uh, my, my, I haven't been able to work out to keep my body in shape because of the injury uh, and the ribs are sore. Uh, so 
to be honest with you, Frank, that's okay. I'm at peace with that. Whether I play it at all or a little bit, doesn't matter. Um, I'm just happy to be thankful to be walking and alive because uh, it could have been a lot more serious than it was. So I hope this wasn't a plan by Scott so that he could skip at a briar only to have you recruit Wayne Mada. <laughs> no, he uh, he was good. We uh, it's funny if you want to go down that road. Uh, so basically, when I when I did hurt myself, I knew I knew that you know how who knows like how how, how fast you heal at 58 years old. Am I going to be able to play? Am I not? I'm not going to be perfect regardless. So it made sense to to get a, a really solid replacement. And uh, uh, Scott felt that you know if we can get a really good skip, uh, let's do that. And and all four of us picked Wayne Madon. He uh, obviously he hasn't been playing. You know, he hasn't been playing on tour. He hasn't play, played since he broke his leg five years ago. But, uh, you know, I crow with him on Tuesday nights with our wives, and he's been doing that for, for years. Um, he, the biggest question was how much can he play? But he was so excited to be involved. He's working his tail off. We're out on the ice uh, all the time now throwing rocks. He's getting himself ready. And and I'll tell you, there's nobody I'd rather have out there than Wayne Madaw. Get fire a little, uh, put a fire under his butt, uh, look out. He's going to come out, and he, and he wants to win. He wants to go there to win, so he's going to give it 150%. And he's going to uh, he's going to get the best out of the boys, so uh, it's going to be exciting. I'm really kind of cool to, uh, or excited to see how uh, how they all make it. Glenn, I'm just wondering if this might not be the ideal scenario for Wayne though to step in after so many years away from the game, because most of the other skips this year at the Briar will not have thrown that many rocks this year because of the pandemic and the fact that there was restrictions everywhere. It, it sure doesn't hurt, Frank. I think it's it's a better. You're right. I think it's a it's a better situation than the norm. Had everybody been playing all the way through and him not. Uh, would have been horrible, but not many, you know, people are, the guys are throwing rocks. Don't get me wrong. They're out there, but they're not, they don't have the reps. They don't have the games under their belt. They don't have, uh, it's going to be a little bit weird for everybody. Whereas Wayne's is walking in here. Like this is, this isn't changed at all for him for five years. And, uh, and, and, and the game, the game is, he, it sure as hell hasn't passed him by. He's, you know, he coaches the arguably that, well, the best, the women's team in, in curling and he's been coaching them for a few years. Uh, he's he watches. He's, he's one of the best strategists out there. So, uh, he he knows what to do with it and to get the best out of the boys. So yeah, to answer your question, I think it is the perfect time to do it, and uh, uh, he he's going to be ready. That's that's what. Uh, and and again, if I am in a pinch, if I'm needed, I'm going to be there to play. Now it's very difficult to ignore the fact that this was a strange curling season. You certainly had more time on your hands than you've had in recent years. What did you learn about Glenn Howard during the pandemic that may have surprised you? It's interesting. I think not a ton different, Frank, other than. Uh, you kind of, you, I looked in the mirror a little more than normal as to, you know, what, what daily life meant, um, you know, just how it changed, how, how this pandemic changed, you know, didn't change my life too much because I am retired. My wife's retired. So we didn't, we didn't have, it wasn't as if we were out, you know, getting up every morning, going to work and dealing with the public and dealing with retail and that sort of thing, what we used to do in the past. So it wasn't that bad, but it, 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 you started to think more about yourself as opposed to what your, your needs and wants are. Um, and, and it could it could easily have got depressing because of of the situation the world's in. And both my wife and I looked at each other and said, you know, we've got it good. Life is great. Uh, regardless, so we're, we're maybe a little bit more bored now. Uh, so what if we have to wear a mask? So what if we can't, you know, unfortunately, we can't see our families as much. We have to look at the positive side. And, and, and that that was that was sort of tough. But on the same token, you look and realize life is good. And, uh, you know, and I understand even from a curling that, you know, I, I, I was, it's upsetting that I couldn't curl as much as I wanted to. But again, you look at the big picture and it, it really is not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things as to what, what the society is going through right now. And uh, uh, really, again, it just, I, I don't think it affected us that much, but it did, you do look in the mirror a little more than normal. Understandably, Glenn, uh, several of the women's teams showed a little rust at the start of the Scotties. Are you anticipating the same thing at the Briar, or will the extra couple of weeks of practice make the difference for the men's teams? I, I, I do think it'll be a little less rusty for the men, and again, only because of that reason. Um, literally, we like we didn't know we were going. We didn't know we were going to have ice. We won't, we've been on ice for three weeks. Uh, if we were going to the Scotties, we'd be there now with with very little practice. We get an extra couple of weeks because of that, and and all the and, and same will be going for most of the teams in the country. Albeit, I know the Eastern teams have had ice right through this. They were fortunate enough to uh, to get ice because of uh, you know less less uh, numbers, less sort of COVID numbers, and good for them. Uh, but I think it, everybody's going to be they'll be start a little bit slow, but I think they'll they'll pick up quickly. The guys. You know, there it's a lot of it's between the years, Frank. I think it's a matter of who who can accept the fact that that's this is what they're they're dealt, 
um, don't feel sorry for themselves and say, Oh, I, you know, I don't, I didn't get enough practice. I didn't go this. I know. Don't worry about that. It's just, you know, you've done everybody. Most of these teams have had their 10,000 hours of practice and they know what they have to do. And a guy like Wayne Mada is a perfect example. If you, he hasn't curled in two years and, and literally hasn't thrown a rock. He goes out there as if he's mid season form because that's the way he thinks. And the teams that can figure that out, and to have that mental attitude as opposed to feeling sorry for yourself because I didn't get my 3.2 uh, days of practice this week or my whatever because they they're, they're do this sort of the same routine all the time. So teams that can figure this out mentally will be the ones that will flourish. And I do see the majority of the teams figuring that out because they're, they're, they're wily veterans and they've, they've been around the block and they understand what it takes to win. Now, Glenn, several teams, including yours, have learned to feed off the energy of the crowd at the Briar. There'll be no fans in the arena to make noise and cheer the great shots during this year's event in Calgary. Will that have any direct impact on play at all, do you think? Well, it, it's interesting you say that because I think I, I, I've answered this question a couple times already, and I, I, you know, if I go way back, majority of my career, I've played in front of nobody. You played in curling clubs all your life. You play, you know, most of your Ronsbills are in curling clubs. There's people behind the glass, but there's not as if they're out live audience out beside you. So the majority of my curling I've been without. So you are kind of used to it. But when you get to your national championship and the you know, on the slams and such, um, you do. You have the live audience and you love it. Like it's just you feed off it. You're, you get you get excited. You, what we're not going to have is any of those goosebump moments. There, I don't ever see. Um, you know, even if Wayne Madon makes a triple takeout, I'm going to be excited, but I'm not going to get goosebumps because you don't have that roar of 10,000 people screaming and yelling, which is awesome. So I would think that the, the majority of the teams that obviously who have been experiencing those um, experiences with the crowd are going to have a harder time. Um, it's kind of like, you know, the, the Tiger Woods, he's, he always plays in front of an audience, whereas uh, the, the 50th ranked guy never plays in front of an audience. So it's not, it doesn't affect him as much. So, there, you know, maybe some of the teams that are, are kind of new or haven't been very often are not going to notice it as much. That being said, all these teams know what we're playing for. It's for the national championship. It's the Briar. So it's not, I don't think it's going to affect play at all. I do think though it's, it won't, it may be, you won't get that build up as much um, that you used to get, but they all know we're playing for the Canadian championship and they're going to give it 150% and they're just not going to have those goosebump moments. I think that's the only difference. Glenn, a lot was made of last year's uh, Briarfield in Kingston. Some people were calling it the deepest Briarfield ever, but this year's because of the, uh, this year's Briar should say, because of the uh, different circumstances, because additional teams were added to the field through additional wild cards. Do you think, have you ever seen a deeper bar field than the one we have this year? No, I don't think so. Because, you know, we were, we're, I think, the ninth ranked team in the country. And we're in the top. So the top nine are there for sure. I can't, I'm not sure who, I don't think 10 or 11 is. But so you got the top nine. I don't think ever in my career we had the top nine ranked teams in our country go to a briar. Uh, I can't, I can't think of it. It just, I don't think it's ever happened. Um, and generally because of the, the way, obviously with equal representation with provinces and territories, it's pretty hard to do that. So no, yeah, I think this is probably one of the best, if not the best fields uh, ever assembled at a briar. There was a time, Glenn, when the top teams could show up at a briar and win three or four games with their quote unquote B game. That's much tougher to do now. Has the briar become a mentally exhausting event simply because you rarely get an easy win nowadays? For sure. Uh, I'll answer that completely honestly. Yeah, that for sure that it makes it more stressful because, and even more so this year when they're going to three teams instead of four, um, you, you're, you're looking at, you're basically looking at the amount of losses you think you can get. Uh, and, and I would be, there's, there's no question every single team's looking at it. And they're probably looking at, uh, you know, you're probably, you're, I don't think you can have any more than three losses uh, at all after, after the second round to get to the final three. So you, you do, you quickly look at the teams and think, geez, I, that, that, that's a must win and I hopefully win that or whatever. But there's going to be teams where you think, ooh, I'm, you know, they're, they're, these guys are tough, but we have to beat them. Um, it's sort of that thing. And, and I don't think you, you actually put targets on people's backs, but you do, you're more look, I think guys are more look at the record and go, we've, we've pretty much got to get to uh, no worse than three losses. Uh, and then, and then the pressure comes on if you start to lose a couple. Now, now that just makes it that much more pressure. Whereas in the past, you could get away with a little bit more, more of a loss record because four teams got in. Um, you could get into tiebreakers. You get into this sort of thing. You're still in the hunt. That being said, I think every team goes out to win the game they're playing. Whether they're playing a, a lower ranked team or the number one team in the world, they're still expecting to go out and win that game. I'd like to think they are. I know we will be. 
and uh, and and you just basically go out and try and put as many W's on the board as possible. Get to the next level, which is the there's a final eight, and then you've got to uh, you really got to bring your A game because now you're playing the four best teams in the other pool who are going to, who have obviously curled well to get there, and now you've got to win majority of those games to get to the final three. So to answer your question, it's way more difficult and it's it's more pressure packed and uh, and more nerve wracking for sure. And finally, Glenn, I hate asking you this question each year because we all certainly love seeing you at the Briar and on tour. That said, I'm wondering if you are nearing the point in your life where you may prefer spending your winter months, when not in a pandemic, of course, golfing in a warmer climate as opposed to being on the curling ice. Well, it's it's funny, and this is this is complete transparency. Um, I did consider it when I when I hit the tree and I hurt myself, and I'm thinking not that that has anything to do with curling. Um, I thought, oh man, you know, if I hurt myself, that I won't be able to play. Am I not able to golf? You, you don't know, right? You just you're hurt, and, and you're hurt, and you're 58. You know, it takes time. But I've come back well. A lot. The fact that yesterday I threw rocks yesterday, and I was able to you know throw 10 rocks up and back. I kind of got really excited again. I go, oh, okay, I'm I'm fine. I can I can still curl. What at what level? Who knows? But that excited me. And uh, for the short term, I definitely want to play next year. I want to finish the cycle with the boys. Um, and uh you know and and see what happens and then after that i think i'll assess um and go from there uh no decision's been made at this point but uh i still yeah i i I don't love going out to practice as much as normal only because my body hurts a little more than it did and that's it and my mind is there so that that's a bit of a thing um but i still do do it and because i love the outcome but i do love to compete frank i just i when i get into those slams and i get into bond spiels and i smell the air and i feel the ice and i love the competitive you know, the competitive nature and talking to my teammates and having fun and being on the road and having a couple of drinks with the boys and talking to the my my other my other teams that we play against and I still love it. And uh, it would be a big void in my life when I, when I pack it in, but uh, I do know there is limitations. I can only go so far. And I think my body's starting to tell me a little bit, but uh, one more year for sure. And then assess after that. And my final guest on part two of the 2021 Briar preview is Brendan Botcher of team Alberta, who has led his team to three straight Briar finals and will be looking to win that elusive first Briar title in his home province. Brendan, I have a couple of introspective questions to ask before we get to the curling. I want to start by asking you how you've been and how you've been able to deal with the life in a pandemic. Yeah, you know, I uh, I can't complain. It, it's different. It's new. A lot of things like that. I've been quite busy at work still, so that's been a nice distraction. I've been able to work from home, um, which I quite enjoy, actually. Uh, so there have definitely been some positives uh, in my kind of family situation, my personal life. Um, that said, like everyone else, it's tough. It's tough. We're used to uh, playing a lot, especially in a year like this one, playing a lot to get ready for hopefully the trials next year. Uh, and this year has been a, a little different on that front. But I, I'm holding up well. I'm excited to head into the bubble here next week. Uh, and hopefully we can we can do well down there. What did you learn about Brendan Botcher during the pandemic that may have surprised you? You know, I've actually been quite uh, comfortable uh, spending large amounts of time at home with not a, a whole pile to do. I, I felt antsy at times, but I'd say uh, in general, that's been uh, something I learned about myself because I've always been so busy, you know, between work and curling and family and you're always racing around the country every week. feels like you never really have a second to stop and, uh, just process where you are kind of in the moment. And I've uh, been pleasantly surprised about that. Actually, I've enjoyed that aspect of it. uh, And I've taken uh, quite a bit of satisfaction out of that the last few months. Now, Brendan, in a regular year, you and I would have spoken on a couple of occasions, at least since last year's Briar, but we haven't spoken since that loss to Brad Gushu in Kingston, your third consecutive loss in a Briar final. What were your takeaways from that final and from the Briar in Kingston? There were definitely a lot of positives that came out of last year. Uh, that was our best Briar by a long shot, even with you compared to the two years prior where we made the final last year was really a dominant performance through the lineup we played great all week uh we did we did a lot of the things we said we were going to do so you've got to take some confidence from that um and otherwise you've got to compartmentalize a little bit i mean it was a good week we came up a little bit short in the final uh as it all turned out it would have been very very tough to win and then not be able to represent canada at the world championship and i'm definitely a firm believer you know 
everything happens for a reason. So we're out there doing our best. We had a good fall. Uh, the couple events we were allowed to play. Um, we're definitely excited to get back going here. We've been fortunate enough to have some practice ice the last little bit. So hopefully we're ready to go. Um, and I'm looking forward to another good week. With the limited amount of action your team has seen this year, are you going to change the way you approach the briar and perhaps be a little more conservative at the start to let the team find its uh, on-ice bearings in what's going to be a very competitive environment? Yeah, I definitely say I think everyone's got to feel it out a little bit um, and feel their personal comfort level, their team comfort level, and really feel comfortable before you start taking too much risk. Um, I can say, though, Playing more does not always equate to playing better. And in a lot of cases, we play so much that we don't always get as much practice in and as much rest and recovery in and all those other things. Uh, And we've been able to focus a lot more on those things this year, partly because those are the only things we've been able to control. So I'm trying to come in with a fresh uh, mindset for sure. I'm not uh, deciding what our our strategy kind of tendency is going to be off the hop. I'm uh, looking forward to getting out there, having my guys throw in the, the practice days and really getting a sense then for, you know, how dialed in are we to go off the hop or, or do we maybe need to take it easy off the hop so that everyone can feel comfortable. There are some things, you know, you can't replicate in practice. There are certain situations, there are certain uh, team skills that are very hard to replicate in a practice environment. So I do think everyone will come out there with a certain degree of rust. I think you're definitely seeing that on the women's side right now. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if that happened on the men's side too, but I don't think it's going to take very long before the, the teams that are that are going to be around on the closing weekend uh, quickly pivot to you know their A game. Perhaps the only positive about the lack of events this season is that all teams should be entering the bubble rested and healthy. Once the rust is off, uh, do you anticipate an even higher quality buyer than last season? Because the teams will in fact be rested and they will be healthy. So nobody will be struggling with injuries and everybody should be at 100%. Uh, I don't think you'll get better than usual. I think you'll get a lot closer to usual, though, than everyone was expecting. I think there's a lot of people at home watching curling that um, think that none of us have touched the ice in the last four months. So the fact that we can stay on our slider is going to be a victory. Um, and, and that's truly not the case for most of the teams going into the bubble. Um now, I, I do think there will be some rust off the hop. I think it will get shooken away pretty early, but it is hard to replicate uh, the amount of reps you get in a season when you're playing 100 or 110 games. And now this year, having only played maybe a dozen or two dozen games, there is a certain amount of rust there that uh, will just exist. But it will exist for everyone, and it's really going to come down to how are the top teams dealing with that and how can they uh, use some of that uncertainty to their advantage and, and hopefully stick around through to the, the playoffs. Finally, Brandon, we're speaking late during Scotty's week, so I'm wondering if you've been watching the action in Calgary to get a sense of what to expect on the ice once you get there for the Briar. Uh, I would say the biggest thing I'm learning is just the familiarity with the building, the familiarity with the the ever-changing rules that they're experiencing down there. I'm definitely fortunate um, that I have a bunch of friends that are in the bubble right now, and I'm very fortunate um, that I'm not the first one in there because (laughs) I I don't know if uh, I would be as uh, keen to adapt to the changing rules as some of they they have been. and they're they're really the guinea pigs here this week, and I think they're going to iron out a lot of things, and I think it will be running uh, a, a little bit smoother during the briar, hopefully. Um, but something that a lot of people might not appreciate is they actually have to 
take the ice out almost completely to put all the logos in for the briar and take all the Scotty's logos out. And then they also have to re-scratch the rocks. Um, and in that, uh, the ice maids have typically provided a slightly different playing surface for the men than they do for the women um, because the men's game typically has a little bit more curl in it, a little bit more uh, late curl for a lot of those super, super precise shots that we play. And the ice makers usually give us an extra couple feet of curl than you see during the Scotties. So I hope that's the case again this year, um, but I am expecting our playing conditions to be a little bit different than what the women have right now. So I'm not reading a whole pile into uh, sheet A is a little slanted towards the wall and sheet B, you know, yellow seven is a little curly right now. Uh, you know, there's going to be too many games played between now and then, and the ice and the rocks are going to change completely as soon as the Scotties is done. And that does it for From the Hack's 2021 Briar Preview. Follow us on Twitter at From the Hack and join us during the Briar for our Waking Up with the Briar series with special guests from inside and outside the Calgary bubble.